Once again, happy Father's Day. Now, before we dive into the sermon, dads, I want you to know that we here at St. Mark, we have a gift for you. Are you ready for it? Coffee. We know that you need that caffeine, dad. That's why we've loaded up a Starbucks account with cash, real cash money. And if you check our Instagram or Facebook feed right now, you will find a barcode. Save that image, take it to any Starbucks, order your drink of choice, and have them scan this code from your phone, and your coffee will be paid for. It's on us. No joke, it, it really works. We would never scam you, Dad. Or if you'd like, if it's easier, just stick around after the service, stay on the live stream, and we will put the barcode on the screen nice and big. Just take a screen grab, store it on your phone, and you'll be good to go free coffee. Don't say we never did anything for you, Dad. We love you. Now, where was I? Ah, today we're continuing a conversation, a teaching series that we started last week entitled, I Don't, where we are applying the truths of God's Word to our most important relationships with a special focus on marriage. And what we said is that in order for our important relationships to thrive, it requires us to break certain vows, so to speak. Uh, The idea is this. As sinful people, we enter this world committed, vowing to love, serve, and sacrifice for one person above all, ourselves. And this commitment, this vow, manifests itself in all kinds of promises that we hold on to, often without realizing it, that benefit only us. And these self-centered commitments, unless they are identified and rejected, they will undermine our most valuable relationships. So last week we said the first vow that we must identify and break is a vow that says something like this, I'm going to hide the worst about myself, but hold on to the worst in others. And we said that we must break it by committing to communicate our struggles, not hide them, and to relentlessly forgive those that we love. And today we have another vow to identify and break, another sinful, self-centered impulse to reject. It's a vow that goes something like this. I'm going to seek my joy above all, even at the expense of people I love. I will prioritize my pursuit of my own happiness, even if it means refusing another person that I care about what they want and need. Now, let me throw some scenarios at you that illustrate uh, what this looks like when when it's lived out the right way, when people reject this vow and choose instead to to sacrifice themselves for the sake of others. Uh, Listen to this. Uh, A guy in his 20s stops playing soccer three nights a week so that he can be home more often with his new bride. Uh, Or after 46 years of marriage, there's a husband who still gets up every morning to make his wife coffee despite not being a morning person. Or there's a a worried mom who lets her husband take the lead in handling their difficult daughter even though she really, really wants to take control. Uh, A husband opts out of an important meeting so that he can help his wife prep for their son's fifth birthday party. A bride-to-be puts her own career on hold so that she can follow her husband to where his work is. A man sells his truck so that his wife can go to school, then denies himself a new phone because she also will need a laptop. A wife stops posting quite so much on Facebook because she knows that it annoys her husband. A husband continues to try and stop dipping because his bride said that it bothers her. A wife refuses to comment on the way her husband drives, even though she's completely convinced that he's dangerous and she's superior. A newly married man watches HTTV and tries, really tries, to be excited about other people's home renovations. These may seem like small, mundane, or even meaningless moments, but trust me, they're not. 
This is what it looks like on a daily basis when husbands and wives break that vow to seek first their own joy, but choose instead to die to themselves for the sake of the other. Jump with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this. Paul writes these words. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So Paul reminds us that, that once we enter God's family, once we're covered in the forgiveness of Jesus that flows from the cross, everything changes. While the rest of the world goes on following that old self-serving instinct, our eyes have been opened to a drastically different truth. The truth that Jesus, the one who saved us, is now the one who matters most. He's the most important person in our lives. And so rather than walking through life constantly wondering, how do I get my own? Followers of Jesus, they, they try to navigate their life in step and in alignment with the teachings of Jesus. And what is one of the primary teachings of Jesus? He teaches that we exist to live not for ourselves, but for the needs of our neighbors. And just as he set aside his glory and his life to give us grace and to save our lives, we are called to leverage all that we have for the good of others, especially our spouse, to leverage all that we have for the good of others. And that starts at home with our wife and our kids or our husband. Let me give you a somewhat silly example. In our house, Lisa does a lot, to say the least. And yet we have this understanding. Despite the massive number of things that she will do, there is one thing that she won't do, iron. And yet there was this one time I stepped into my closet and I found every shirt perfectly pressed. And my first thought was, oh no, we've been burglarized by a person with OCD. But no, do you know what happened? My awesome wife, she knew that I was in a really, really stressful and busy week at the church, and she knew that having one less thing to think about would help me stay sane. And so she added to her plate, she swallowed her pride, and she pressed all my shirts. And now that might sound super trivial to you, but that simple sacrifice, it made me feel like the most loved man on the planet. It really did. And I'll tell you what, I will never forget. After I discovered it, I went over to her and she looked me in the eyes and she said, Matt, baby, don't get used to it. Now, here's the thing. Most married people believe that they've got this down. The average person, uh, the typical husband or wife, would say that they lean more towards sacrifice than selfishness. But if that's the case, then, then why do so many sacrificial marriages end up struggling so badly? I mean, you've seen it. Two people who seem to be doing all the right things for each other suddenly announce that they can't stand each other. Why? Well, well, it comes back to the fact that sacrifice, sacrifice is primarily, first and foremost, an attitude. It is a, a posture of the heart. You see, it's possible to have a whole lot of sacrificial activity taking place while still having very selfish attitudes at work. A selfish spouse is one who is primarily motivated by fear. For example, I, I might fear my needs not getting met, so I selfishly spend our money on my things. Now, that kind of selfishness is easy to spot, uh, but it also works in another direction. I might fear what will happen to me if your needs aren't met. 
how foolish I'd look if you didn't have the best around town, or, or how frustrated I'd be if you, if you nagged me about not helping out. So out of fear for myself, I focus on you. And though my actions make it look like I'm all about you, in my heart, I'm still motivated primarily for myself. I'm just looking out for me. And that's where a lot of people live. But, but here's the problem. Fear can only motivate you for so long. Eventually, you'll either get empty or you'll get angry. You'll become tired of trying to protect yourself and you'll give up, no longer worrying about the consequences. Or, or you resent them for your fears and you revolt against them. He can make his own dang dinner, I'm going out with the girls. And what's really sad is that when that happens, the, the people around you, they get blindsided by the bitterness and the sudden change in you. They're like, where did this come from? They've always been so sacrificial. Well, They've been motivated by fear for a long time, and they're just done with it. But on the flip side, a, a truly sacrificial spouse has a different heart. They're motivated not by fear of what, what will happen to them if they don't do something, but by blessing the other person. That's it. Now, listen to this. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. But in humility, more significant than yourselves. Let in Christ Jesus... So, so Paul says, Paul says uh, that we should keep an inventory. Love others for what you can do for them. And now here's the cool thing. When we serve our spouse, or, or anyone we care about for that matter, when we serve them for them, when we serve our spouse for our spouse, it often fuels us to do even more for our spouse. You've experienced that, right? You go out of your way for someone you love, like way out of your way for someone you love. So far that perhaps as you're doing it, you're complaining like, this is really hard. This better be worth it. They, they really should appreciate this. But then when, when, your, when your action, when your gift finally blesses them, when it helps them, when it surprises them, and you can see it in them, it overwhelms you. And they're like, thank you so much. And you're like, oh, it was no big deal. But the truth is, it was a big deal. It came at great cost to you. And here's the thing, you would do it again having seen their response. And that's what I'm talking about. True sacrifice is motivated not by fear of what will happen to me if I don't do it, but the gift that it will be to you when I do. Now, that's not to say that, that a good spouse will do anything their partner asks simply because it'll make them happy. No, dying to self means that you're willing to sacrifice for your spouse, not for any reason, but for the right reasons. I think of three main ones. Uh, first, you should willingly sacrifice yourself for things that will bring your spouse biblical delight. Here's what I mean by that. If it's something that's going to make them smile and doesn't go against God's word or offend your conscience, then you should seek to do it. I mean, if you're all about their joy, why wouldn't you? And, and this relates to everything from a gift they'd appreciate to a favor they need from you, and even, even to intimacy between the two of you. Real talk, uh, a, a common issue in marriage is the frequency of intimacy. Now, there are many valid reasons for saying, nope, not tonight. And no partner should ever feel forced to do anything. But being a sacrificial spouse who's all about the joy of the person they're partnered with sometimes means saying, look, I know I'm not feeling it. However, God says to enjoy it. They will be blessed by it. So let's go for it. Uh, likewise, you should be willing to sacrifice yourself for their necessary care and for your shared responsibilities. This sounds like a no-brainer, but one of the primary jobs in marriage is to be the first responder to your spouse's basic needs. 
Things like caring for them when they're sick, a shoulder to cry on when they're sad, a, a listening ear when they're worried, someone to binge watch season three of Ozark with. You're their person. And what that means is that many times you're going to need to set aside what you want in order to serve their basic human needs. And you should go out of your way to make that happen. Again, you might think this is obvious, but, but, but there are guys who are watching right now who, who if, if your wife were to come to you on a Friday night and say, hey, tomorrow I have an activity planned for us, you would actually be disappointed. Because the truth is, you'd rather spend a Saturday with your golf clubs, your fly rod, or your shotgun rather than your bride. And then you have the audacity to wonder why she's so insecure. You're her person. You are her primary source of companionship. At least you should be. Why do you have to be harassed into offering it? You should be willing to sacrifice for her necessary care. Likewise, God has given the two of you a home to build and, and quite possibly children to raise. And though you each have other areas of focus, that, that is your shared responsibility. And no spouse should feel as though they're alone in the burden of home and family. What must you do so that your spouse never feels stranded in the stuff that belongs to both of you. Do that thing. For the married folks watching, which of those three do you tend to be the best at? Is it biblical delight, putting a smile on their face, uh, sacrificing uh, for their care and well-being, or, or the sacrifice for the sake of your shared responsibilities? Which are you best at? And, and are you doing it for their benefit, their joy, or look into your heart, are you doing it out of fear for yourself? On the flip side, how are you at receiving those things? You know, sometimes the issue in a relationship is not that one person is unwilling to give, but that the other person is not humble enough to receive. And now, here's what you need to know. If you fall into either one of those categories, you struggle to give or you struggle to receive, you struggle to give sacrifice or you struggle to receive sacrifice, what you have in reality is not a marriage issue, but what you need to know is that what you have is a spiritual issue. A refusal to give or receive sacrifice is ultimately a spiritual problem. Specifically, it's an idolatry problem. Idolatry is believing that something other than the one true God is the center of the universe. And if you're refusing to give up something you love in order to make your wife smile, it's because you think you're the center of the universe. If you're only helping him because you fear how it could bite you in the end, if you don't, rather than how it will bless him if you do, it's because you're acting as if you're the center of the universe. Uh, if you refuse to let people serve you because you don't like losing control or looking weak, it's because you think you're the center of the universe. And if that's where you are, if if sacrifice, giving or receiving it, has become an issue in your home, if it's made you unwilling to sacrifice or unable to receive it, then the only cure for you is repentance. The only cure for a spouse who's unwilling to die to self is for them to turn to the one who willingly died for them. Return to Christ and then remember your wedding vows. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says this, be giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says that as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, both in marriage and, and in other relationships, we are to be submitting to one another. Uh, that word for submit has its origin in, in military. And it's, it's in Greek denotes a soldier submitting to a commanding officer. Uh, when, when you enter the military, you surrender your independence and you seek to serve the good of the whole by giving up your rights to another. 
Like a soldier gives his rights to his commanding officer, so husbands and wives should surrender their rights to one another for the good of the whole. But what else does he say? He says that the only way this is possible, if it's, if it's flowing from a heart of reverence or awe of Jesus. Jesus, who did that and so much more for you. Look, you are not the center of the world. Christ is. And yet he came here and he washed feet that you would never touch. He healed the outcasts that you refused to look at. He fed the poor that we try not to think about. He took the insults that we would have thrown. He took the beating that we would have cheered. And then in order to forgive us, to forgive you, the one who should have been on his throne was killed on our cross. Be humbled by that. Feel the love in that. Know that you are forgiven by that. And then look at your spouse. Remember your vows. And ask yourself, what should my attitude be toward him or toward her in light of that? Some time ago, I had the honor of, of sitting with a husband uh, and wife uh, who were in a hospice facility. Uh, actually, the husband was on hospice, and his wife was caring for him in his final hours. And the truth is, she'd been caring for his every need for a few years at this point. But, but now, as it, as it neared the end, it was, it was constant. Uh, she fed him. Uh, she bathed him. She gave medicine to him. And at the end of every night, she crawled into bed, and she slept right next to him. And standing in their home, I, I couldn't help but think about how, how someday the same thing may very well be happening in my home. You know, Lisa and I have been married for over 18 years, and, and yet we're, we're yet to be called to that level of love and sacrifice. But one day we will be. And so will you. And my prayer is that when those days come for you, that, that though they will demand a lot from you, uh, the impulse to, to sacrifice yourself for the sake of serving and the joy of the one that you love, that that impulse that will not at all feel foreign to you. Because leading up to that time when, when bodies are frail and the sacrifice is significant, you will have practiced that kind of love already in the little things. And you will be very familiar with that love from the king of kings. The key to thriving in a relationship is to be willing to break some vows, not the ones made on your wedding day, now, the selfish ones we make to ourselves, things like, I'm going to seek my own joy at the expense of others. Man, you got to let that go. You need to give that up. Love your neighbor, starting with the one who sleeps beside you. Seek their joy. Not selfishly out of fear, but out of a simple desire to see them smile. And then watch what happens. More next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to seek the joy of someone other than ourselves. For those who are married, help us to elevate the joy of our partner above our own. And help us to sacrifice for them and serve them, not out of fear of what will happen if we don't, but out of a simple desire to see them smile and to see them blessed and to see their needs met. 
And we ask the same in all of our other relationships. Our relationship with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, it, it requires the same attitude. Love looks the same in all of these relationships. Uh, the cost can seem steep and heavy, but, but help us to believe that it is the best way to live and help us to remember that this, this is how you, your son, Jesus Christ, has lived and loved us. Pray. Amen.